The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. Good morning. To everyone that is here, to those who are watching online, grace and peace to you. And uh, welcome in the name of Jesus Christ. So this morning, we need to acknowledge something. At least one special event, if not multiple events. On this past Wednesday, June 17th, Lee and Jean Mulliken celebrated their 59th wedding anniversary. And I, we just want to say, look at that, look at that picture, their wedding picture. It's not only a great example of faithfulness in marriage. This is a great example of faithfulness like this long, steady, steadfast love, steadfast faithfulness in all our relationships. It got me thinking when uh, I heard it was their 59th wedding anniversary. It says, uh, it got me thinking their relationship has gotten, has prepared them for eternity. And what I mean by that, why it's not just a great example of faithfulness in marriage, it's a great example of faithfulness in all of our relationships. Because one day, when Jesus comes back and renews the world, faithfulness and everlasting faithfulness will define all of our relationships. So I hope you take their example seriously. Not just in marriages, but in all your relationships. And that you begin practicing faithfulness. That faithfulness becomes your way of life. Because in eternity, that's all we will know. And so we better get used to that now. I also want to recognize yesterday... Two of our members, Travis Glover and Callie Sullins, who are sitting right there. You guys stand up real quick. They got engaged yesterday. <laughs> Callie will be happy to show you the ring, and Travis will be happy to show you all the pictures yesterday. He couldn't stop flipping through this one. Look at this one. Look at this one. Look at this one. So we celebrate with you guys. Thank you very much. And then, uh, last but not least, to all you fathers out there, happy Father's Day. And I want to say praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Father, who's shown us what it means to be a good father. So happy Father's Day, and thank you, God, for being a good father to us. Let's pray. God, as always, we give you thanks. Today, we give you thanks. We're reminded of your goodness as our Father, creator of heaven and earth, giver of life. And we give you thanks for your word, for your word is our life. And so as we read your word and hear your word and proclaim your word today, we pray for ears to hear. We pray for hearts that are open and receptive, and we pray for lives and bodies that will obey. 
God, I pray for the gift of preaching. It's in the name of Jesus, your word to us, we pray. Amen. We have been in a series, Proverbs, Wisdom for the Journey. And uh, Brent and I thought it appropriate. Uh, we were going to be in Proverbs anyway, and then life happened, 2020 happened, and we thought, let's stick with Proverbs, because if there's ever a time we need wisdom, it is now. For all kinds of reasons, we need wisdom. And so far, we've talked a little bit about the value of wisdom and seeking wisdom and what it is, but today I want to get into more the practical side of wisdom, some of the wisdom sayings. And if there's there's multiple things that the, the Proverbs teach us about how to live life and what a wise life looks like. But one of the things that it comes up repeatedly is what you do with your tongue. And so today, Proverbs 18, verse 21 says this. The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruits. The book of Proverbs, as we've mentioned, is closely associated with the creation story. In fact, I, a couple weeks ago, I talked about how that the word of God uh, is the words from God's lips are wisdom. And while we usually think about the word of God as scripture, and this is true, this is wisdom, the law of the Lord is wisdom. Proverbs is really about uh, finding wisdom in God's created order and experiencing the world, going with the grain of creation. And so you can't help but think when you start talking about the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruits. You can't help but think about Genesis chapter 1. For our very text, the scripture that we lean on, what we believe about the world is that when God created the world, at least in the account of Genesis chapter 1, that he creates it through speech. He speaks and literally worlds erupt. That's the image you get in Genesis chapter 1. So when the writer of Proverbs says the tongue has the power of life and death, think of Genesis chapter 1. God doesn't even really have to show up like in Genesis chapter 2 when you have the, 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 the different account of creation. In Genesis 1, he just sends the word light and there's light. But not only that, we... We come every Sunday. In fact, most of us, every day, believing that when we open these pages or click open on our phone, that we go to this word because this word has life for us. It's really a means of grace. It's kind of a, a mystery. We don't know how it has life or why 
it, why it just these words have life, but we know it to be true because it says so, and our experience of it is life. That's why we come. That's why we read scripture. It's why we pray scripture. It's why we sing scripture. It's why we teach it and study it. It's why we share it together. It's why we get up and proclaim it every Sunday morning because we find life in scripture. We know also that words have the power to destroy as well. They have the power to destroy relationships. They have the power to destroy confidence. They have the power to damage self-esteem. They have a power to break apart communities. They have a power to destroy trust. And so, if you go to the next slide... Proverbs, this is what it says, that words have the power for life or death. And the message says it this way. I love what the message says. In Proverbs 18, 21. Words kill. Words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. Words have the power for life, and words have the power for death. But in Proverbs 15, 4, here's what I think he means by this. Proverbs 15, 4 says, Kind words heal and help, but cutting words wound and maim. That words, not only the power for life or for death, words also have the power to harm or to heal. That's the power of our language. Words actually have the power to harm or they have the power to heal. This saying, you've known this saying, you probably maybe said it to your kids and you maybe said it when you're in grade school. Maybe they're one of the most famous proverbs we have in the English language. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but... Words will never hurt me. That is just not true. I know why we say it, right? I know why that's a proverb. It's like, okay, don't let them hurt you with your words. You get those sticks and stones in me, you can hurt me that way, but I'm not going to let you hurt me with my words. But we have that saying precisely because we know words harm. Words cause damage. What we say can actually harm. I've had a few broken bones in my life, but I've had more wounds and harm from words than I've had from physical violence. I guarantee it. And, and my guess is, while not all of you, this is not true, but most of you have probably been more wounded more often by words than you have by physical violence. But I've also received as much healing from kind words as I have from physical healing from a healthcare provider. And sometimes physical healing comes through words. I have no doubt of that. So Proverbs 12 verse 18 puts it like this. 
The words of the reckless pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. So to think about language or our words or our tongue as harmful or helpful, I think it's appropriate to use this imagery of words are like weapons. Now, I don't own a gun. I don't have one in my house. But if I did, I would make sure to put the gun in a very safe place. It wouldn't be easily accessible to my children. I have an uncle that has a gun, and he has a safe for all of his guns. But here's, here's the thing about words. That we tend to be very careful, or at least we should be careful, if we have a weapon close by, right? That we keep it out of reach. It's not so accessible that anyone can get it. You have to go out of your way to actually access it. I can pick up words anytime, any place, and I can weaponize them. I don't have a safe for that. Maybe I should. I don't always have a safe or a place where I hide those weapons from my kids, and my kids experience that sometimes. I don't have a safe or a place to put those weapons to where I make sure they don't get used in an improper way. I pick those words up, and I use those words as weapons against my wife. The words of the reckless pierce like a sword. But they also do this. They're also tools of healing as well. There are times when medical professionals don't have the supplies or tools they need at that moment. And we know because we have at least two nurses in here that spent time in New York City that even though we think, yes, in America, you should always have what you need at a hospital, we know from just hearing on the news that medical professionals didn't have all they needed, all the tools they needed. For example, ventilators. Those were life-saving tools that could heal. And they didn't have access to them all the time. But just like I don't always have access to a physical weapon, but I have access to words as weapons, I also have access to these words. While I may not have enough ventilators, words are accessible to me all the time healing words, kind words, words of encouragement, words of forgiveness, words of love, words of grace. They're at my fingertips like a sword. They're also at my fingertips in order to heal. One of the ways this shows up I think an example is in Proverbs 17, 9, which says this, whoever would foster love covers over an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. 
Proverbs 18 expounds on this, 18.8. The words of a gossip are like a choice morsel. They go down to the inmost parts. The words of gossip, gossip could be a tool for harm, not healing. And when I first read this, when I was thinking about this week, I don't think this is what it means, but here's where my mind went. When it says the words of gossip are like a choice morsel, they go down to the inmost parts. This is not what it means, the imagery, but this is the imagery it conjured up in my mind. I thought about my couch. I love my couch. Anybody, can I get an amen? You love your couch? Come, you, you guys are lying. Brett, let's get up here. Let's do a confession moment. They like their couches more than they are letting on. You guys are lying. I'm comfortable on my couch. At least, I hope you're comfortable at home, your couch. It's where family happens, right? It's a comfortable place. I have visitors that come in and sit on my couch, and life happens in the living room. And it happens in and around my couch. But when I lift up the cushion, oh, like cho choice morsels, they go down to the inmost parts. And what you hope to find is a $10 bill? Nope. What do you find? Twinkie. Oh, my word. That's worth it. You find a Twinkie. Oh, I can believe that because Twinkies, like, you'd think they would dissolve, but you can keep a Twinkie for like a thousand years and it looks exactly the same, right? You lift up your couch. I did this recently. When Kim was coming home from New York, I thought, I'm going to, it's like, I kind of went like this. And I was, I was proud. It was nasty, but it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. <laughs> I was like, yeah, we're doing a pretty good job. I thought I was going to vomit. I lifted it up and I vacuumed it out. But that's what gossip does to a community. We can look great on the outside and then you get on the inside and gossip is like a choice morsel. It's down the deepest parts. The message says it this way. It says, listening to gossip is like eating cheap candy. Do you really want that junk in your belly? <laughs> yes. Teenagers are like, yes, I want that candy in my belly. Yeah, that, but gossip is, this is what gossip does. It feels good to do it. It feels good to eat it. But once you understand what you're putting in your body and how it makes you feel, you, you almost can't stomach it. You just got to eat it and out of sight, out of mind. Till one day your doctor says, stop eating that. It's going to kill you. But it also says that love, you could stay where you're at, the slide. It says that love covers a multitude of offenses. And loving speech to and about one another is healing. The thing I need most, the thing you and I need most, is when I have hurt someone with my words, the thing I need most is love. Words 
can harm. Words can heal. In Proverbs 8, 18, verse 2, says this, Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but they delight in airing their own opinions. And I think what Proverbs, the wisdom of Proverbs would say is something like this. You know the saying. Seek first to understand before being understood. That's wise. In other words, you could say, seek to listen before you speak. We've heard that somewhere in the New Testament. Be quick to listen, slow to speak. Seek to understand first before you are understood. We live in the age of opinions. It's a great thing about social media and access to all kinds of, is that now it gives this kind of democracy to ideas. That's a good thing, right? That it's just not someone in the media or newsprint, but now I can post my opinion anywhere online. That's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to have an opinion. But here's where I'm at. I don't always have to have an opinion. Now, don't hear me saying that, because I'll, I'll give you my opinion. <laughs> don't worry. Many of you are like, yeah, Ben, right. You tell us what you think all the time. That's problematic for you to say that. No, I get it. No, I, I mean, in some ways, my profession is giving my, sharing my thoughts and my opinions on some level. But I've also had to check that and say, I don't always have to have an opinion. And this is also the age of authenticity. And what I've noticed about college students, and you may feel this way as well, but college students, they really appreciate, and in this age, we really appreciate authenticity. Authenticity is a really good thing. But sometimes I think authenticity means this for us is that you say what you think all the time, no matter what it is. So someone is rude or inappropriate, oh, but they're being authentic. No, Proverbs would call that foolish. I don't always have to share with you what I think. And you're like, thank you, Ben. Can you sit down now? Thank you. Come on, wrap this up. You don't always have to share what you think. And to be honest with you, sometimes you know this to be true. If you're in a conversation, right, you think all kinds of things. And you think, ah, better not say that, better not say that. If I really said what I think here, that's wise. In fact, he says that Proverbs 17, 27 through 28. The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint, and whoever has understanding is even-tempered. Even fools are, taught, are, are thought to be wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. We must speak about important things. This is not a point about not speaking up. We are to speak up about righteousness and justice and truth. Truth. 
But the Proverbs say, use your strength. Choose your words wisely when you speak. And I think this, at least maybe you can relate to this. This may might be you. I'll just speak for myself. Is that the temptation for me when I speak and give my opinion, right? Or, or say what I think is that I'm tempted, I wanna be right. Everybody wants to be right. And I think the more appropriate response is not about being right. It's about what does it mean to be faithful to the one that's hearing your words? What does it mean to be faithful to them? What does it mean to be faithful to the one you speak about and speak to? It's not about being right or winning. It's about being faithful to the person or people who receive our words. But when you do speak, Proverbs 15, 1 says this. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. So when you do speak, speak gently with wisdom. I have a friend, uh, some of you may be familiar with him. He's an author. His name is Jonathan Wilson Hartgrove, probably about seven, eight years ago, something like that. Jonathan Wilson Hartgrove came and spoke at Oklahoma Christian, did a retreat. We had the pleasure of hosting him in their house. I've kept up with Jonathan some. Uh, we're friends slash acquaintances. And I was at a conference about two years ago, and I was, I'd caught up with Jonathan. He was there speaking at it. He just come out with a new book. It was a very large conference, over 2,000 people there. And the head of the conference uh, there, I was talking with the head of the conference, and Jonathan was her when the head of the conference was an African-American man. It was just around the time of, the, of uh, the event that happened in Charlottesville. Remember that? And we were talking about race in America. <laughs> Funny, two years ago we were talking about race in America. And Jonathan had just come out with a book on Christianity, the church, and race. But we were talking about it, and he goes, Ben, you live in Oklahoma. He turns to me, and he says, help us think about this from your context. And I thought, huh, the dude that wrote, just wrote a book on race, he wants my opinion on race in my context and how we deal with this. Seek to understand before you're understood. So I was talking about at Oklahoma Christian. I had this class. It was kind of a, a contemporary issues, Christian theology, discipleship class. And I was like, I had this one student in there. He just, he talked all the time. And he was very brash. He was, um, he was, he was, let's put it mildly. He, mildly, he was insensitive. Honestly, he was probably, he was a racist. He said things that were not appropriate. That I had to figure out how to protect others and cut him off. So I was lamenting about this. I was like, how do I be an educator and protect people, but also allow, allow those conversations to happen and allow people to learn? And I said, I've just tried to provide a space where we could all, if we could just all come to the table and have a conversation about this, then things I think would be a lot better. And Jonathan just says, hmm. And I'm thinking, I'm, I'm going to self-reveal a little bit here. I'm thinking, that was pretty wise. 
I got my chance to, and to contribute, not pretty wise. And Jonathan said, hmm. And he says, you know, in North Carolina, where I'm from, before the Civil War, there's documentation of churches and who takes communion. And especially in Presbyterian churches, they would mark out who took communion on that day. And there's, there's, you could go back and look at the history of white families that took communion. And next to their names who took it with them was the slaves they owned. And he started telling this story. And I thought, hmm, this is interesting. And he says, well, if we all just come to the table... I don't know if it's enough just to come to the table, but there's a power dynamic at a lot of tables that we need to address. It's just not about coming to the table. It's about addressing that power dynamic. Because those slaves came to the table, but they didn't have the same power as their owners, even at the Lord's table. And then it hit me. He wasn't trying to shame me. He wasn't trying. He could have said, Come on, man, don't you know stuff about power dynamics and all this stuff? He could have said that. He could have been harsh with me, but instead, he gently told me this story in front of this African-American man. And I walked away going, huh, Jonathan's right. I think I understand something now. Understand first before you are understood. And there are words that can bring harm or they can bring healing. And words have the power to bring life and death. And as the message says in Proverbs 18, 21, words kill, words give life. They're either poison or they're fruit. You choose. Let's stand and sing.